complexion was florid, with a temper to match. But if he pushed his holders, he pushed himself as well, demanding nothing of his people, his children, nor his fosterlings that he was not able to do himself. If he was conservative in his thinking, it was because he knew his own limitations and felt secure in that knowledge. Robinson pulled at his lower lip, wondering if Lord Grogi was an exception in his disregard for this traditional whole duty of removing all greenery near habitations. Or was this Lord Grogi's answer to Fort Weir's growing agitation over the immense forest lands of Fort Hold, which the Dragon Riders ought to protect? The Weir leader of Fort Weir, Tehran, and his Weir woman, Mardra, had become less scrupulous about checking to see that no thread burrows had escaped their wing riders to fall on the lush forests. Yet Lord Grogi had been scrupulous in the matter of ground crews and flame-throwing equipment when thread fell over his forests. He had a stable of runners spread out through the hold in an efficient network, so that if dragon riders were competent in flight, there was adequate ground coverage for any thread that might elude the flaming breath of the airborne beasts. But Robinson had heard ugly rumors of late, and not just from Fort Hold. Since he eventually heard every derogatory whisper and accusation uttered in Pern, he had learned to separate fact from spite, calumny from crime. Not basically an alarmist, because he'd found much sifted itself out in the course of time, Robinson was beginning to feel the stirrings of alarm in his soul. The Master Harper slumped in his chair, staring out on the bright day, the fresh new green of the fields, the yellow blossoms on the fruit trees, the neat stone holds that lined the road up to the main hold, the cluster of artisans' cotholes below the wide ramp up to the great outer court of Fort Hold. And if his suspicions were valid, what could he do? Write a scolding song? A satire? Robinson snorted. Lord Grogi was too literal a man to interpret satire, and too righteous to take a scold. Furthermore, and Robinson pushed himself upright on his elbows, if Lord Grogi was neglectful, it was in protest at weird neglect of far greater magnitude. Robinson shuddered to think of thread burrowing in the great stands of softwoods to the south. He ought to sing his remonstrances to Mardra and Tron as weir leaders. But that, too, would be vain effort. Mardra had soured lately. She ought to have sense enough to retire gracefully to a chair and let men seek her favors if Tron no longer attracted her. To hear the hold girls talk, Tron was lusty enough. In fact, Tron had better restrain himself. Lord Grogi didn't take kindly to too many of his chattels bearing dragon seed. Another impasse, thought Robinson with a wry smile. Hold customs differed so from Weir morals. Maybe a word to Flar of Bendenweir? Useless again. In the first place, there was really nothing the bronze rider could do. Weirs were autonomous, and not only could Tron take umbrage for any advice Flar might see fit to offer, but Robinson was sure that Flar might tend to take the Lord Holder's side. This was not the first time in recent months that Robinson regretted that Flar of Bendenweir had been so eager to relinquish his leadership after Lessa had gone back between to bring the five lost Weirs forward in time. For a brief few months then, seven turns ago, Pern had been united under Flar and Lessa against the ancient menace of Thread. Every holder, craftmaster, landsman, crafter, all had been of one mind.
That unity had dissipated as the old-time Weir leaders had reasserted their traditional domination over the holds bound to their Weir for protection, and a grateful Pern had ceded them those rights. But in four hundred turns, the interpretation of that old hegemony had altered, with neither party sure of the translation. Perhaps now is the time to remind Lord Holders of those perilous days seven turns ago when all their hopes hung on fragile dragon wings and the dedication of a scant two hundred men. Well, the harper had a duty too by the egg, Robinton thought, needlessly smoothing the wet sand, and the obligation to broadcast it. In twelve days, Lerad, lord of Telgar, was giving his half-sister, Famira, to Asganar, lord of Lemos Hold. The master harper had been enjoined to appear with appropriate new songs to enliven the festivities. Flar and Lessa were...